Hello, and welcome to BWB, Business Without Bullshit. I am Andy Ori, and alongside me is my co-host, Pippa Sturt. Hi, Andy. Hello, Pippa. And today, we're joined by Ian Woodley, Director of Finance Kitchen. Hello, Ian, and welcome to the podcast. Hello, good to see you. So uh, let's learn a little bit about Finance Kitchen. What the hell is that? Why is kitchen in the same sentence as finance? Uh, Well, it probably always should be, but, you know, unusual anyway. Well, it's a bit of a stretch, but that's because we finance kitchens. Ah, we do. Okay. Yeah. We do commercial kitchens at that, not uh, domestic kitchens. Damn, everyone's getting very annoyed just then. <laughs> They're like, "Perfect, darling, I found the solution." I do need to replace my kitchen. I was looking a little bit hopeful there. <laughs> do you get calls about that? No. Anyway, let's talk about that. So, commercial kitchens—that means restaurants. Restaurants are our business. Have been since uh, 2015. Yeah, so we are either raising investments for new and growing restaurants, or we're financing the fit outs of restaurants. Why do you say kitchen? Sorry, is it is it particularly the kitchen you finance? Or? Well, I think I think kitchen, if you can use the word, is is also the heart of a thing, isn't it? It's the heart yeah. of a house, and and we could, we decided that was as, as most good business ideas came from it was over a few glasses of wine and we had a long list of hopefuls and finance kitchen one through on that basis where things right, get right. made as well and it things is get done yeah, yeah, yeah yeah one final detail before we move on and 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 it may it's a bit granular but um how how does your business world work then is it the sort of you take a retainer and you take a bit you know maybe let's give like the raw the raw facts of it like if i'm coming to you i'm starting a business how much time do i need to give you and, and how are you going to charge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, do the debt bit first because it's easier. Um, we don't charge any money, but we do take a commission from the lender. So, But we will go with a, a list of requirements. In other words, to get you what you want, I, I need this, 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 and this. And the very first thing we get, every business that's about to open a restaurant has got a spreadsheet somewhere with their capex. This will be a whole list of all the money they're just about to spend. And we go through that and say, okay, well, it's going to cost you 350 to get open and we can get you 200 because we can finance that and we can't finance that. Okay. People are quite specific when they finance. They like the hardware and whatever and they don't yeah, want very the, much the, so. the shop improvements. They yeah. want to be able to come in and take it away when you don't yeah. pay it. And also right? people probably don't know, but in Britain, if you improve a premises that you're renting, most, most of that valuable is not even deductible for tax and it'll all be owned by the landlord. But And on the, the investment, investment side? side, we've been all over the place on this one. Um, for most of the people, well, first of all, we've, we have had periods where we weren't actually take on investment cases because during the whole COVID thing and immediately afterwards and a bit now even, you know, we've got to be confident if we take somebody on, we can actually deliver. Uh, and because the, the kind of confident state of the market, uh, you know, we need to be very careful about doing that. Um, back in the day where things were, were, were flowing, um, we, we charge a small retainer up front, a meaningful sum, but not enough to turn people off. And then we take a percentage of what we raised. Uh, we'd also uh, do it kind of open book. So if they also wanted to go and raise money elsewhere, they could. And what what would the minimum you'd raise? Would you a hundred grand? Would basically we we couldn't make money unless it was a hundred. Hundred. So you must be charging more than five percent at a hundred grand. Then I mean, um, it's about that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But if um, if you look at our average raise over the period of time, it's about four or five hundred grand. If you look at that, if you work that back into what does that look like? That's a kind of averagey kind of site in central London-ish, yeah. you know, with a with a half reasonable. So fit you out. you could come with a normal client. You come along and say, right, give me your capex. Okay, we can finance two hundred grand of that three fifty. And then you know, if you pay me a retainer, I, I agree with the retainer model because 
everyone will just say, yeah, work for me for nothing. And yeah, raising, yeah. raising fucking it's, it's, money is so hard. It's an incredibly emotive subject, though, because, and again, this is part of education, that the one thing about investment, it's completely unpredictable. unpredictable. And we have, we have had cases where we have thought this is an absolute surefire bet. I absolutely love this. And we've taken it on and got almost zero interest. And I'm sat there scratching the head thinking, I, why do I see good in this and nobody else does? And by the same token, there's people that we batted away thinking, ah, nice people, but, 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 but no chance. And then you read about in the trade press about two or three yeah. months later, they've got this whole list of people have backed him thought, I have no idea how that happened. Yeah, now the biggest restaurant chain in the UK. <laughs> it does stick in a founder's craw a little bit if they paid an upfront yeah, retainer yeah. and then because they thought you could get them 200 grand. Well, yeah, well, this is this is why we're nervous about get, getting yeah. back into it at the moment until we're fairly sure that the confidence has returned and then, yeah. then that's fine, it's fair game. But at the moment, we're... Confidence is kind of all over the place. It, I mean, it is. I'm trying to, you know... Yeah. Well, the newspaper at the moment, I thought it was painful before and now it's just like... <laughs> You know, there's a lot going on. First proper job. Right. Um, I left school at 18 and I believe it or not, I went for an interview with HMRC, which is quite funny, really, as time's gone on. And uh, for working for VAT at Tower Hill, I think it was. And I went there and it was at the because I'm so old, it was at the time when uh, everybody got frisked going into buildings because they were all about to be blown up by the IRA, if you remember going back to those days. Oh, wow. So um, I, I thought, I can't work here. So I, I wandered off into a, a local uh, recruitment agency and wandered in and said, right, give us a job. And they first of all thought I'd come for a job as a recruiter because they were advertising for one. And once we sorted that, that, that slight uh, miscommunication, I was actually making tea for them in about 10 minutes. It was quick work. It was, it was going really well. Um, and uh, I, I managed to get a job working for a tractor manufacturer uh, that paid £2,600 a year. And all my mates who were leaving at the time and joining banks and insurance companies were on a mere 1800 quid. So I'd absolutely smashed it. And smashed it. Yeah. 2,600 a year since, yeah. what, 1984 or uh, something? 77. 77. You look pretty young. Fit, I know. It's pretty a blameless, good. A blameless life. A blameless life, yeah. <laughs> Did that teach you anything, selling tractors? No, it taught me I knew nothing about tractors. Um, right. Because, again, being... Didn't a... you want the job with the recruiters? I would have gone uh, with the recruiters. No. Sounds lovely there. You're making the team. quite quickly. Sorry? Did you not learn about tractors quite quickly? Not really, no. I think, I think to, to, to learn about something, you've got to be mildly interested. Like, what's yeah. So being somebody who was kind of, you know, out of Camberwell, this was like never seen a tractor unless you'd been on the telly. So. You're a cement man, as yeah, they say. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so um, I, I worked for the uh, tractor manufacturer for four years and... Um, they brought their own, put together their own in-house finance company, so I got to start financing stuff and thought this is quite good fun. So um, they then moved office up into Essex somewhere, and I didn't want to go. So I thought, well, now's the time to jump ship and take what I've learned about finance rather than tractors and see if I could put it some good use. And I was offered a job for a, a subsidiary of Great Universal Stores at the time, uh, given a full Fiesta company car. God, I had a Ford Fiesta, good car. Yeah, a well, cu couple of postcodes and said basically get on with it, virtually no training, and was financing trucks and diggers and excavators and all that brilliant. kind of stuff. It was great. It was good. And, you know, from this journey from there to where you are now, what do you think the biggest misstep was? That's interesting you should say that. I've, I've made lots and lots and lots of mistakes. Main, main, thankfully, most of them relatively small. 
I went back to one company once. I got I got flattered into returning to a company, and that was a mistake because you go back somewhere, and, you, and within five minutes you're going, yeah, I remember why I left now. <laughs> what the hell have yeah. I done? Uh, so I certainly wouldn't you, do that. You went back. Yeah. After yeah. How long did you say? Well, I was I, I left. It was the, it was the the, the the job I just mentioned. Um, I got poached away by a bigger company that was actually part of Midland Bank. Uh, and got fairly well trained there, but it was a horrible place to work. And then I got flattered to go back to where I'd started on a more money and better job and all this kind of stuff. And then went back there and thought, well, no, they were just about as limiting as they were when I left. And this was a really bad mistake. So I stayed six months. It just didn't work out. Yeah, yeah. I did exactly that with the job. Yeah. And they promised me all kinds of things. And so I stayed. And then there was a reason, was a reason why happened. you left. Remember yeah. that. Well, in relationships too, it's a curious question. I think if you're going to go back, that's it. Just understand, like, there's no, like, if you're willing to go back to another partner. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I was dead young too. I must have been, oh, how old was I then? I was probably about 22, 23. And so my ego was already fairly large. It was quite easy to get flattered into going and doing that. But going back to those ABN AMRO days, probably the most sobering, I think, was that we, we did really well. And it's one of the things when you do really well, you do get a bit cocky. Were you, what were you, what were you, you were lending in? Yeah, we were a, a subsidiary of a Dutch bank and we were, yeah, we, we were had, we were doing really well. Lending on everything. Lending on everything. Um, and, and I was like a new kid with new toys because I wanted a new computer system because our old one was crap. So we went to a, a supplier of such things and said, I want a new computer system. And they, well, they were like, we're just the people for you because we've, like, we've got a new shiny computer system. The dollars uh, in their yeah, eyes. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then we, we, we kind of went down this process before both of us realised that we had been really bad at explaining what it was that we actually wanted this computer system to do. Yes. Scope creep, I think they call it. Yes. Scope is so yeah, important. Yeah, and they, so were, they were really it's bad so on the basis that they hadn't written half the stuff they said they had when we kind of kicked off this process and we're hoping to learn from us to help build their new system. So we ended up in a, re it was really, um, we were a million quid in at this point. Uh, and it, yeah, we had some very tense phone calls um, and meetings. I remember there's one in particular, I said to the guys I was going to do it, I had one of those moments where the guy went to shake hands and I just got up and walked out of the room. I did, and I, oh. I did it. I was just going to make you feel really shit. Yeah. You know, and, and I agree. Quite a British culture, that's that enormous. In some cultures, that's standard. That's enormous, <laughs> uh, I was going to say. But, but we, you know, we had a, re it was really, really tough. And I regretted having been so aggressive in terms of, like, we must have the best of everything. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it was also a great lesson in, in data, which is a really, really boring subject. Mm -hmm. But you realise how bad your data is when you try and move it from one computer system to yeah. another. Because it all comes out of the woodwork. And it was just a horror show. I had teams of people trying to make good what had been gone wrong before. Uh, yeah, and that was, a, that, was a mis that was a big mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's, it has so many uh, good lessons in there. And yeah, and you, you've, got, you've got to spend fucking hours scoping these things. Anyway, it, it, you know. You've got to just, yeah. I mean, it's a great, even if you're doing, having work done around the house, it's a great life lesson. And so you yeah. get a bit Everyone wants to just get on with it. They're, no, they're no, always you, pushing. You, you need to tell everybody, this is exactly what I want. Not more, not less. This is exactly what I want. What's most uncomfortable about your job or, you know, your line of work? Would you find, or most misunderstood, perhaps? Yeah, going back to the broking side, I think, um, I think a pick up on your point, I think it was a very good one about the retainer issue. That that basically, if you don't charge for something, then people attract, attach no value to it. Yeah, they don't think it's worth. Yeah, it. when do you start? They don't take it seriously. They're so just... we can spend months on a deal on the basis that we're only going to get paid when we get it over the line, and then we get the phone call go, "Oh yeah, well I used the person I used before. Sorry." 
Yeah. It's like, yeah. Fucking great, mate. Thanks. What, what the annoying about the retainer is it delays their decision nine months. They sort of go, oh, you know, and then they'll look around and say, and then I'll tell them if they come to me, it'd be like, look, yeah, either you got to do it yourself. So if we're talking about raising money, the CEO, the CFO, someone needs to be on it. Like you're saying, they're like, they've got to be out there building connections, mentors, getting to know people. Forget about raising money, build the biggest fucking network you can because then you have something you can ask. You can't even ask at the moment. Yeah. And if you, and sometimes in a startup, you must see it, you've got one of those people and it's often the CEO who's just a great talker, would do any meeting. He just sits it up, knocks it down. But without that, yeah, you're going to need to get some help. And then, you know, no one's going to do it who's any fucking good at it without getting something. I think the the other thing about retainers, and again, I think you touched on it a bit there, was the fact that, you know, you're, you're trying to help people and you don't want that to be in the way. Yeah, and a bug al- about that. Almost without exception, every time that we did something with the retainer, halved it, pay us later, da-da-da, Every time it turned out to be a nightmare. What's the hardest thing you do in your job and how do you deal with it? Hardest thing? Um, I think being a small company, uh, and again, I, I did come from a corporate background. It's a bit, tr- it's a bit, <laughs> I know, sorry. It's a bit, it's difficult sometimes to kind of scale it down and actually just do what's important rather than try and conquer the world in one go. Well, that's what you've done beautifully in your business model. You said restaurants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think, I mean, going back to on my CV when I was at AB and AMRO, I probably had 100 people working for me. So I just sat there and was very strategic and did absolutely fuck all. Oh, that every, that's that's the best job in the world. Oh, where yeah. is that? AB and AMRO. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, do what and, you love. Fuck but, all. Are they but interested I had to re- I had to in really, accountants and lawyers? Yeah, but I had some really good people around me who knew what they were doing. And I was, I, you know, I because a, a team that was put together. But when you work for yourself, you've got to do everything. Everything, you know, and that's the difficulty is trying to manage, prioritise when you're a small firm, what to do first. You do lists? Are you a list? Oh, definite list man. And What's I, your I, system on your list? No, I don't have any system, but I tell you what, I get so much pleasure from putting a tick. Oh. I, I've even had the things I've ticked off that have only been on the list for about three seconds. Oh. So I've just done it, put it on the list and then I, ticked That's because I've done it that day earlier. Oh, I get God. that. You know what? I, I accidentally swapped notebooks with our producer and he scribbles everything completely out when it's, it's just this notebook all blacked out. I'm like, is he a spy? Like, and I'm like, the effort he's gone to on each one, like, oh. so you know what? I think I think he's onto something. The tick is only a moment. He gets a whole like, oh, oh. It's like a sexual, like, a couple of minutes it takes him. What's the biggest problem facing your business? I, I guess that's a really obvious one. I mean, our, our fortunes are very much wedded to the hospitality industry. Uh, cost of living crisis is obviously a biggie. Will people still have money to go out and spend in restaurants? That's worrying everybody. And that's without the fact that restaurants themselves have got staff issues, they've got food price issues, they've got energy issues. You know, so getting pushed on Fuck one. Yeah, restaurants use energy. Lots yeah, of yeah. So they're getting pushed. Got- they're getting pushed from one side in terms of trying to manage their costs, and on the other side, there's this big question mark: is is there going to be is there going to be enough customers to even make it all worthwhile? So, I th- and again, we we only we only prosper when things are moving forward because people need cash to kind of grow. Uh, and, you know, let's say we're, we're doing okay right now. We're doing okay. I think I mean, there's right, some... right, London is, is what must be in the top five restaurant cities in the world these days. Yeah, it definitely. I mean, in terms of diversity uh, and it's, you know, we've got rid of that old-fashioned view that 
British food is shit. Well, you go to Italy now and it's hilarious. It's like, oh, they only sell Italian food. Do you know what I mean? I know, it's a little bit weird. And, and you're it? like, oh, oh, right, okay. And there's an Indian you bump and into Chinese, someplace and a Chinese. Right, yeah, in no, Rome, no, we, it's, but... it's a fabulous place to eat. I think, but going back to the kind of um, the hangover from COVID, I think London's going to take longer to come back than the other major cities. We're seeing more activity in Manchester and Birmingham and Leeds. Do you think London than New York, or it's just you just think there's something in... Uh, I, don't, I don't know enough about the, the US market, but certainly London, I think. And London's very fragmented as well. If you go to the city of Canary Wharf, it's dead quiet still, uh, either end of the week. If you go to Soho and Covent Garden, it's buzzing. It's as busy as it ever was. I think London is, seems as buzzy as ever, but it's, it, it, it is it's interesting. It, it's interesting, the twat thing. It's interesting how the rest. But there's been winners from that too. I mean, we've had a number of clients uh, of, of suddenly. We, we had one particular guy. He was a, a general manager of a re- very well-known uh, restaurant in Mayfair. And he came on the phone to me and said, Ian, I've got this great idea. We're going to open two smaller restaurants. We've got some Middle Eastern interest, but they need to talk to somebody from the manor as to where this is a good idea, because I found a site in Ballam and I found a site in Clapham. They wanted to talk some. So your fat being from South London helps you in your job. It's probably the only time ever in my <laughs> career it's been an advantage. Um, but yeah, so so I, I, I was able to say to them, yeah, they're great sites and they're wonderful and I'd give the man the money if I was you, of which he was very grateful. But, he, but the interesting thing in that, he was an absolute devout, never went out of Mayfair kind of operator. Right. And he was looking, saying... A lot of international is, people see London yeah, as Mayfair only, you know. Yeah, but he was looking at it and thinking, well, you know, if if people aren't going to come in to eat, they've got to feed them where they are. Yeah, So yeah. you get that kind of ring around London. We mentioned Peckham and Brixton or whatever. Well, also, these stations like King's Cross that people now, when they're going to meet, they pick the place that's easiest for people. It says Liverpool Street, King's Cross, yeah. London Bridge. Those are going to keep exploding and just become... Yeah, Borough Market, They already were. Borough Market's but. all stayed busy throughout the whole thing, despite if you go across the water into the city, it's dead quiet. So what if that's the, the shit stuff... What's the exciting yeah. thing? Do you hire more Ian's? Can you make more Ian's in the Ian shop? You know, as in like... How, how that do you, feels like a personal question. It's a question. very weird way of asking that question. Set a Westworld or something. No, but <laughs> often the problem, is, especially with a job like that, is there must be quite hard to find people who would do this and build the business further. Or? Well, I mean, we, we you know, one of our, our big projects at the moment is that having been very disrespectful about lenders, we're now trying to be a lender. <laughs> um, but Best we think place we, to come from. Yeah, but we think we can do it differently. You're setting up a fund then. Yeah. Um, and we've had some very good conversations already about that. Um but the one thing we couldn't work uh, out was it, it wasn't big enough. Because again, if you're going to get people to invest, there has to be scale. There has to be like, this is something worth my trouble to get involved with. So we've now, we've now we got the first cut of the numbers and they weren't big enough. We're now looking at potentially franchising because one of the things that the food industry is very good at, it kind of operates in hubs. So if you were to say, right, take Finance Kitchen and stick a Finance Kitchen in Bristol, it will deal with all the Bristol operators. Uh, if you did the same in Manchester, it, they would deal with all the Manchester operators. Dealing from London to Bristol is hard. Yeah. yeah. So we, we think there's the opportunity to build a franchise model around what we do, and that's part of the plan at the moment. Oh, interesting. And you would fran- uh, fra- franchise it in terms of you can you, they can use the brand, set them up, and you know they and they take a piece Off of the go. action. Yeah, that's that is actually fee- franchising is not very popular in the UK. People try and come and franchise, and I think we're so small we don't never needed the sort of. But in your instance, it makes perfect sense actually. 
Well, the, or the alternative is to actually then employ people and go, and then you've got a whole stack of overheads and management and all no, that. No, but people would want a piece of it. The game yeah, yeah, you're yeah, playing, yeah. it's that yeah. kind of, you need to be, oh, just got to Yeah, but grand. if we controlled the central fund, which is the key bit, um, yeah. then, you know, that's that's something worth, worth having. The problem with franchising is it has a bit of a bad name because of the kind of, you know, those kind of slightly ruthless franchises where they take a load of money up front from some poor sod. Who then does it have a bad reputation yeah, in this country does. too? It, it, you know, the kind of subway model. I've just noticed people don't do it and I've dealt with plenty of people from Australia and America who turn up and they, and they explain the business model to me, which is totally unheard brand of here. Oh, we, you know, we're going to franchise it. Mid- Middle East is absolutely massive. They love to franchise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you're, I can never get my head around it because you look at it and go, see, yeah, this brand's not known and I have to do all of this shit why don't I just do it myself a, a lot of people yeah I think that comes from the fact that people do it too early rather, rather than actually get the business itself properly established and then do it yeah yeah you know they probably jump a space and, and that's probably why that happens what's the best piece of advice you think you've ever been given well um those who know me well know that I'm not very good at taking advice at all. Uh, and there have been moments out of pure stubbornness I've gone and done the complete opposite. Are you opposite. a Taurus? What's your star sign? Taurian? Uh, no, Aquarius. Oh. Um, can I quote Peaky Blinders? Yes. Of course. Yes. Well, in that case, may you go to heaven half an hour before the devil knows you're dead. That's a good line, classic. isn't it? Classic. Yeah, Absolutely yeah, classic. classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who says that? Uh, it was the, um, the, the original Irish... Girl who was to- Tommy's love interest in oh, the first. Yeah. 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 It's um, a great line. I don't read a lot. Um, and, you know, a lot of people kind of immerse themselves in kind of business stuff. And I don't really do really do that. I'd looked at, I had one recently, I think. I think there was there was a book I read about talent being overrated. And, and that's true to a point, I think. I mean, you've got to be, you've got to have some of the traits to do a certain job, but you can't kind of, you know, hard work still kind of trumps that. Counts. Yeah, and if you look at that in a, in a sporting context, people that are really good are those that are first to training, last to leave, yeah, yeah. work hard on everybody else. Oh, I totally agree with it. It's a bit like if someone's complaining about their shit, you know, and they quite often are, when then and then you, they're not really trying at it. Then and it's like, look, like really work hard at it for a bit, and then tell me it's shit, and I'll respect you for it. But if you're just kind of fucking around anyway, and it's not good enough for you or something, it's like, well, fucking quit. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Ulrich Clark got its start back in 1935. And while the world has changed a bit, it's more than just survived. From complying with the FCA and all things financy, they can also speak fluently in the language of legalese. Clark was born and raised right here in the UK and now for 20 years they've been helping others get set up and on their way. Ori Clark's doors always open and happy to provide straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935. Big shout out to Sean Veer Singh for a stellar jingle. You can find him at Sean Veer Singh Music on Instagram. And at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review, please, on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. Now back to the chat. Here's a big question for you, see if we can knock it on its head in a couple of minutes. (laughs) Do you think people should pay higher tax and the government has more money to distribute, you know, in their fair 
brackets chaotic way or do you think you know, we need more philanthropy <laughs> it's not a loaded question you know, I don't mean uh, the current government I just mean like in theory government should tax people more and like or ph- philanthropy or both you know do we see, you know do, and philanthropy it tends to give to smaller organisations do you know what right, I mean right okay I'm politically if that was what the question is because I guess that follows through because you can't you can't answer that question without kind of giving away where you are no imagine we have any you have to almost idealise the government a little bit and imagine we've got a half decent one yeah where where I where I sit where I sit um, is on cultural issues I'm right of centre I'm quite a traditionalist I'm quite patriotic I'm a I've got hundreds of kids so I've got to be a family man cultural issues okay yeah yeah Um, on economic issues, I'm slightly left of centre because I think we've got a lot wrong. So you're the person that aiming all the culture wars at the pulling down statues and uh, uh, yeah, they're trying to piss me off. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, sometimes they succeed. Yeah, thank you. Um, but I think um, yeah, economically, uh, I'd, I'd say there's a lot. I think we've got wrong. Um, if you look at Brexit as a really good example, I think. You know, there was a great opportunity to actually rebuild our manufacturing base, which nobody's actually mentioned in the last two years. Yes. We've just gone, well, don't do a trade deal with the EU. Just go and do more trade deals with everybody else. You think we're just replacing the same model, but yeah. from somewhere else. From further away. Yeah, 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 exactly, which doesn't help anybody. And I just I just you think... You think they should literally get billions and pump it into the manufacturing I, I just, and Yeah, and, and I would also... Um, I would also nationalise a few things as well, because if you look at our railways, a good example, which is supposed to be our jewel in the crown, it's just totally chaotic. Yeah. And most of, the, most of the franchises are run by other governments. So you think, we're so shit at running our own railway. Is that true? Why don't we actually bring other people in from other countries to run but away? And then, and then subs- through the fucking roof. Yeah, and then subsidise the them. And we've got, we got such an expensive rail network. And energy's been a good lesson as well, because we've got the same problem. Is you know? energy not nationalised? National grid? No? Yeah, but... You, but if you look at all the other the energy companies, again, they're all foreign owned. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you just think we've kind of lost our way somewhere. You're aware we have a management problem in the UK. It's called um, uh, uh, common. De- oh, I can't remember what it's properly called. It's like common decision making. We like shared shared decision making. We all like to sit around a table, drink tea, and we all share all our problems. And then the CEO's making the marketing decisions and the market department's making this decision. And we all end up quite like fucking about to kill ourselves because it's all going wrong. You were terrible at it. And now apparently what makes us really good at, although I'm sure in current conditions you made it, is politics. You know, we're really good at Radio 4. Let's all talk about it. Come on. But, you know, do you think, do you, do you, this is a problem sort of when we get into sort of major running of stuff that it's, um, should be hierarchical. This is, theory well I, th- I think yeah i mean if you look at what's happened and it, it actually doesn't matter which part is in power because you end up with the same kind of thing but maybe said in a different way yeah <clears throat> there just there just seems to be a massive indifference people don't care where things are made people don't care it's like when you this microphone where did it come from everything's for china it's, yeah I, I, okay. because it's been driving me fucking mad for a few years now yeah, yeah, that yeah. i can't you cannot so, buy anything so not who, in, who invented stuff like that? who were the who were the daddies of microphone making it was probably us wasn't it somewhere yeah, on the line yeah but now we fly them in from you know and, and you, we've got this whole list of people that that we'd rather not deal with because of their human rights issues or it's destroying the planet flying this stuff but but they're cheap so we will so we'll ignore all of that my, and, uh, my old firm um our senior partner was really keen on on getting business product, getting business from china and he sent his you know when you go to china you have to give gifts 
it's the whole culture. You have to give gifts and you get gifts and you have. So he sent his secretary out to get a load of gifts from like Harrods. Just go to Harrods and buy like beef eaters, key rings and like <laughs> stuff that's like very, very London, right? Yeah. And she came back with all this stuff and it all had on the back, stamped on the bottom, made, made in, in China. China. Brilliant. And it's just, yeah, we just, as I say, we've, we've just, we get no steer from above from the government in terms of, you know, the, Where's the government's business plan? If you were running a company, you have a Isn't plan. That what that Kaizi, the business secretary, is supposed to be doing? I actually wanted to go watch something he was doing to see exactly your point. What's the business plan? What's the plan, guys? Yeah. What's the plan? This is, is the sort of plan? argument we should run it more like a, a company in terms of going, well, what the fuck are we making here? What but all doing? you do is get told, we'll have a plan in three months' time. We'll give yeah. you Isn't it more complicated than that? Isn't the truth is when you get in the room going, right, it's like, so complicated. But you need a central philosophy, whatever you're doing, and I can't, I have no idea what it is. Well, do you know, I agree with you so much because a lot of it, which, you know, some of the, the stuff I enjoy uh, debating with Pippa, but the, you know, the, the, the business plan <laughs> is sort of about... It's a new definition this, of the word enjoy. Yeah, no, I do. I love it. Um, it's it's always good, you know, when you you, you you like someone, but you don't like what they say. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, no, 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 no. I mean, is in, you, you know, disagree. Anyway, the, the, but the, the narratives are so just bullshitty there around like you know what's the business plan well corporations should be doing this or they but as you say there's no sort of like um, structural idea like you may imagine they might do in Japan say look we're here in 30 years we're going to need this this and this and this and so and that and, and we need I mean they are they, they, it's been very poorly used up unfortunately maybe due to other circumstances but the whole cap that the, you can use tax as a way of nudging which is yeah, partly yeah, why yeah. I asked well, the question it's an incentive it's an incentive you know I mean I just think in this country we're fine fucking appalling at philanthropy you know I mean like we have no culture of it it's we, we don't trust it like we don't trust charity and maybe we shouldn't and that's why I'm asking the question because if you don't trust charity you fall back to saying no I'm happy for more you know we're, we're the 15th highest taxpayers in the world but let's do more tax and then like you but I want a plan yeah yeah and I, th I also think the other side of that equation is is accountability because we we also you know, my big bugbear in, in life is what is nowadays called virtue signalling, cultural uh, reference. But, mm. but that whole thing about, you know, the NHS, you, you said your, your wife works in the NHS, um, it's not the best organised thing in the world. No, it's but, but it's election bad. time, so let's give 20 million because the other side said they'd only give 15. You haven't got a clue where that money's going to go, or billion no. or whatever. No, no. You haven't got a clue what, what it's going to be. You know, if you I think were, it was if, 120 billion, wasn't it? It's, we it's 200 now, I think. Oh, oh, yeah, but it's 200, On I think. On the side of the bus. Yeah, oh, bus, yeah. But, but I think, think you know, if you were in any kind of corporation and it gets the budget round, you sit in front of all the hierarchy and say, I need this money this year because this is where I'm going to spend it. And they will argue the case that you shouldn't have the money or you should have the money and you come out maybe with most of the money you said you're going to do. Where, where does that conversation happen? Yeah. It's almost like we're under a bit of pressure, give them some more money. And you just think, well, there's no accountability for that. It must be, that must happen in the Treasury because the Treasury is separate from government. They, but I know what you mean. It's, it's misunderstood. And um, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's appalling what goes on. I mean, the NHS is another great example because basically we need to spend a lot more money on it, a lot better 
better because they keep getting rid of all the doctors because they're expensive, even though it's basically... My wife works in urgent care. She, uh, due to COVID, hasn't been able to, and then she found a new urgent care player. And urgent care is like A&E, basically, as long as there's not blood pouring out your head. You know, you can see someone. And, and then they, they were going to hire her. She'd be the only doctor, 10 nurses. Nurses don't know what to do. I mean, with great respect, some of them, some of them could do a bit. But no one dares say that, and everyone loves nurses. And, you know, no one... Doctors are these rich bastards, even though she's earning like £25 an hour or something. It's unbelievable. She earns £6.50 an hour at night. I mean, it's not a lie. It's unfucking believable. And then they, she's read in the business. She, you know, she's a good reader and she, you know, clever lady, went and read the business plan and they were phasing her out after nine months and there was going to be no doctor on site, just nurses. And she had to train anyone, train everyone in 20 years of medicine. I'm not quite, you know, it's... Uh, but the second problem in the NHS, the other thing we wouldn't be prepared to say is we're all fucking lost it. We're pathetic in terms of, it, you know, there needs to be some, I joke, they need bouncers on the front of the A&E, just like, oh, you know, I've, I've, you know, what's wrong with you? Oh, I've had a cough for a day or two. Fuck off, mate. You know, like, honestly, there's that, the, the nurses would never do it. The nurses, uh, you, get an, 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 you get a good one on the door, but really you need a doctor on the door to ask questions and go, no. And that's what they do in America, triage. But they, you, it's just too polite, the service, you know? No, but it's also it's also an incredibly... Because I went to A&E not that long ago, and it's an incredibly, like, sort of regimented thing with lots of stages before you get anywhere. So you're going to be there for sort of three or four hours before you actually see somebody pertinent. But it looks like a business that's managed yeah. by targets. Yeah. So the target is you'll be seen in 45 minutes. The fact you might not get fixed for six hours, we can go, yeah. we've but done the 45-minute tick because yeah. you've been seen. Now it go is sit. run by targets now, now and go bullshit. And sit, now go and sit in the corner. But back to my army theory, if you had an army running that, you need you need to cut the shit. Like, as in, as in people need to come in. And honestly, she, she, my wife saw 98 patients one day. She said, oh, how many were sick? And then she was like, yeah, she said, ask me how many are sick. And I was like, oh, five of them. None of them. And there's nothing wrong with anyone. It's the worried well. So most of us, if you see a professional talk, they quickly tell you they're wrong. And if you had that at the front door, like, you know, just literally. Well, again, it's organization. It's it? organization. Anyway. Top three reads, pods. You don't really read. We've established that. Read can't or won't. No, but you don't like don't. to. Don't. Yeah. Podcasts. Do you, you Do listen, I listen to podcasts? podcasts? Oh, this one, obviously. Yeah. Religiously. Religiously. <laughs> um, yeah. Again, because I quite like politics. Um, uh, trigonometry. You come across that? Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, that's good. What's good about it? Um, it... It's quite brave because it talks about stuff and doesn't hold back on... Um, and it's run by two comedians, so they're quite user-friendly to listen to as well. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, they, they, they take on some quite difficult subjects and they're, they're full of common sense in terms of outcomes. Is it British, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. One of them's... Uh, I think he's a, he's Russian, but he's been here well, like we'll 15, me. 20 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he's a good guy. Uh, trigonometry. Um, Spiked Online I listen to as well, uh, which, again, is similar. That's a podcast again. Yeah. Spiked Online. Spiked Online. Uh, again, it's an alternative take on the news, um, which I quite like. Um, mad keen on sports, so any podcast relating to sport I tend to listen to as well. And I'm always – Spotify is probably my – most used app and listen to oodles of music. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, it's amazing they're still not making money because fucking hell, they've smashed it. So. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I, I look over my history and I've got, you know, I had a huge collection of uh, 
vinyl records, which I then sold when I was skint and wish I hadn't because they'd be worth a fortune now, followed by a whole collection of cassette tapes, which I did the same, followed by CDs, which I did the same. And now I've got the world's biggest library to listen to with Spotify, which is absolutely brilliant. Any record, any record in your collection you think, oh, I wish I had that still. Was there one? Probably reminiscing as a teenager, sitting there in the dark, listening to Dark Side of the Moon, probably. That will never be replaced by anybody. That was just like... It's insane, that music. When you first discover... If you have not discovered Pink Floyd in your life, it's probably too late, but, you know, it's phenomenal. I think it's it's maybe a teeny-tiny bit of a boy thing. Yeah, it was... I'm going to be honest. To be fair, I was never a massive Pink Pink Floyd fan. I did go go and see them live, but that album in particular, it's like... Because a lot lot of music, it's things that happened along the way, isn't it? You can relate to a certain music at a certain time and... Oh, that's absolutely what music is. It takes you back. And that's why, as you get older, it becomes harder and harder to listen to new music because you, you sort of... Become more reflective in your spare time. Okay, so that brings us to the favorite part of the show, the business versus bullshit quick far round, which I have a feeling may appear to your sensibilities uh, being a South Londoner. I feel that's quite a South London action. Don't you need business or bullshit? That's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. D, cue the music. This is where we're going to reel off a key set of terms, and all you have to do is tell us whether you think they are business or bullshit. Right. Are you clear? Yeah. Brilliant. Diversity quotas. Bullshit. Stand up meetings. Absolute bullshit. <laughs> Still yet to meet anyone who's that. Caffeine. Um, bullshitish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess it's at what point you're on the caffeine cycle. Yeah. Agendas. Uh, that's business. You need one of them, yeah. Yeah, for a meeting, you don't like turning up the meeting, no agendas. Uh, unstructured meetings turn into a complete disaster, so you need an agenda. Yeah, okay. Hour-long meetings on that same. Do, do meetings have to be an hour? Is that a good rhythm? Um, I think that might be touch on the long side, but probably 40 minutes, half an hour. Yeah. Uh, this one's quite important. Um, Is it? Office dogs. Why is it important? <laughs> Someone somewhere Some, around this table might have an office dog. dog. Yeah. Well, if it was your dog, it would probably be a great idea. Oh, okay. Oh, is it your dog? <laughs> yeah. Somebody's dog. Office dogs. Um, uh, yeah. We'll go. We'll go bullshit. I think. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, mate. Sorry, mate. Sorry. Bullshit. <laughs> I think. I think we're doing okay in the running. So it's sort of a semi-protected area. Carbon credits. Carbon credits. Mm. <sighs> yeah. Um, the natural cynic would say bullshit because I think we all need to know an awful lot more on that subject before we assume that everything is green is therefore good so I think there's work in progress on that um, swearing in meetings you can imagine what my response to that I was going to say <laughs> well if I said bullshit then I've sworn in a meeting yeah, yeah, so I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's a- uh, in context absolutely business yeah I agree um, I, th- I don't know if culturally we have to be uh, aware. Pub lunches. Uh, those are the days, eh? Um, you don't. You haven't had one. Not for a while. I, I think they're. I think they're business because I do believe in doing social stuff to build relationships with people. It, I mean, it's one of the important things that came from Zoom. We lost so much business by not meeting people because you yeah. don't bond. You need that. So I, I'd go business. I think on that. B corps. Have Sorry? you come across B Corps? No. Okay. They're like um, a US invention that well, gives it's you. Bullshit. It, yeah. 
It gives you a, cert- a certificate that says that you're a business for good. Yeah, it looks at your, it gives you a set of a framework with which to work out whether you're a bastard or not. Um, I will refer to my previous reference to virtue signaling. We should totally have a bullshit. But it is virtual signaling. It virtual is virtual signaling. signaling, yeah. I know. It's another one of those things for people say, oh, we're a B Corp now. NDAs, non disclosure agreements. Oh, um, this will be offensive to you, particularly. No, no. I think they're bullshit. They are ding correct. Uh, unlimited holidays. Do you, do you have staff in your business? I haven't even asked. Yeah, a couple, yeah. Unlimited holidays. What does that mean? They can take as much holidays uh, I mean, as they holiday, like in any what year. Mean? What does that, unlimited holiday, what's that mean? I don't know. I mean, the Americans have introduced it. You, you decide how guilty to feel, basically. It's up to you how guilty you want to feel. And it, 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 it works in America, apparently, and people take less holidays so the business wins. That can't be good either. That yeah. can't be good. No. no Do you take uh, a lot of holidays? No. Take, no, you no. don't. I, I think, again, anybody who works for themselves, it, it's sometimes. I mean, one of the hardest things is drawing the line between le- leisure and work because yeah. they kind of blur. But, um, no, I mean, people need holidays. People need a break. People need to recharge the valley, uh, their batteries. Unlimited holidays, no. Uh, LinkedIn. Oh, fucking brilliant. Uh, formal work clothes. Ooh. Um, I've changed my mind on this over the years, um, and I think the good thing is about working with restaurateurs. Uh, if you turn up with a suit, they think you're HMRC and probably make a run for the back door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you need to you need to be you need to be with you know they're, they're usually casually dressed. Interesting. Yeah, I think you need to be part of that community. You need to not turn up and look like a suit. Final one: Brexit. Which, can I have another podcast all on this alone? Yeah. What do you want to know? Is, is it, it business or bullshit? It's business and a massively wasted opportunity. What was the, oh? So the opportunity was, in in your view, the opportunity oh, I don't go was. For, I don't go for all the I, Nigel Farage and stuff on the side of a bus. That's all crap. No, but tell me that that's good news to say business. Let's be optimistic. London, London's in a hole about it. Yeah, yeah. I I just think the worst thing is, I think, if you actually look at what transpired, nobody. But nobody, even the winning side, believed that they were possibly win, going to win. And it's happened. It happened over a period of a, a number of years, didn't it? With a number of elections where pollsters got it hugely wrong yeah. because they hadn't got a clue what ordinary people actually thought. Yeah, and they, they, whoever they stop in the street, which seemed to be mostly in London, is just giving them a walk. There's view. really only one person. But, but, that but won, when you right? say it's a miss, Brexit's happened. Why is it miss? Why can't it's we take miss, the opportunity it's a opportunity now? Because the, the, the first thing that happened was the person who was put in charge of Brexit was Theresa May. Yeah who uh, didn't kind of get it. And we're still dealing with her uh, kind of half assed which has become Boris's half assed I don't think it's plan. even half an arse like, in no, Boris's case. No. But, but what was the opportunity to stay well, in the I, common market? No, with, no, 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 no. Leave? No, I, I, again, it, it may not be a, um, uh, a popular view, but I think there was always going to be some pain. But I just think we'd have a chance to, say, rebuild our manufacturing base Um because we're controlled, manufacturing is controlled by Europe. Is it to some extent? No, that- no. But I think, but I think we've just lost so much in what we had. It's just kind of we've allowed it to drift away. Because right. I mentioned the word earlier, we've become very indifferent about where stuff comes from, so we don't care. So all we now is become an economy that just spends money and buys stuff from elsewhere because we've stopped making things. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and I think you know that that in the longer term has has, has kind of hurt us. Um, I think from a democratic point of view. 
which I am a big fan of, is also, I think one of the things I um, I had some frustration with, and again, I, I was a late convert. I think I was kind of properly on the fence until I think it was George Osborne came out with the, it's going to cost everybody £4,300 a year. And I'm like, you're really fucking pushing this hard, mate. That put me off too. They, they, they flew Barack Obama in and stuff. I found, I found every morning on the radio, they tried to persuade me. Maybe it's that me. South London thing. The, hard, the, harder somebody's, the harder somebody sells to you, the more you start to think, well, what's going on here? But, you know, I, I think one thing that, that frustrates me a little bit, uh, and I can see both sides of the argument, I really can, but one thing that's always frustrated me, me is that if you voted to remain, you also weren't voting for a status quo. You were voting for a moving ship, which was moving further and further and further and further away from us us being able to uh, determine, you know, if we fuck it up, we fuck it up. But it's ours to fuck up. Yeah. Not necessarily somebody else. And that, by God, is what we're good at. Yeah. (laughs) We are. Well, we proved it, if nothing else. And as I say, I just think it's been really poorly executed and... Um, yeah, if you drew a line under it now saying it was a success, you couldn't possibly argue it was a success. There isn't. It still could be. It though. I mean, bullshit. it's early days, really, in the magnitude of what we would do, what, where we're going with this. Yeah, it know. is. But I, I've also got very little faith in uh, those that are currently steering. My, the ship. my view is, is that I reckon maybe after twenty years we'll work out that maybe it wasn't a bad idea because you kind of have to kind of the da- if if you do damage, you know, look at South Korea, look at any country. The more you damage it. Often, then it harder it comes out of the holes. I don't understand why you would remove the relationship between you and your closest point of people that you can sell shit to. Like we just got rid of our biggest trade, trade, trade. Yeah, why would we get rid of our trade? Because basically, that's not really what people went for. Yeah, but the the EU model is very much you can trade with us, but you've got to have free moon appeal. You've got to have this. You've got to have that. And you've got to have that. These are the rules. These are our rules. Yeah, but economically, economically. The answer was you could trade trade with us. You've if got only to have free movement, is the world, but okay. you will make money. But, but you no, but it's great. No, because it's well illustrated. It's not an economic decision. Is the world only about do. economics? And yeah. I would argue it is. No, I know. But if you're saying we can, we, you know, maybe in a few years' time we'll look back on it and think it was actually we've done well out of it. I don't understand how you can do well out of something where you get rid of your trading partner and go for trading partners further away and more expensive. Well, just think, okay, I could give you an that example. I agree, that I agree with don't that. Get I, it. No, no, I, but that's the trade piece of it. And it's it's not, it's not as Ian's saying, it's not just about trade. So, you know, let's take this resource crisis, you know, further and what could the planet look like in 20, 30 years? Fuck knows, okay? But it might be pretty dicey out there. We do have a moat. We may end up with doing this anyway 10, 20 years ago because you know what? With the Middle East of water, we've got shitloads of water. Now, I want to survive as a human. I need water and I need food. And that, and basically, we we can do water and food and I'm sure we could get enough power together. It might. It, I'm just saying... I don't know. We might look. We might get to a point. I'm where slightly like, worried oh, that what I'm you're get... talking about is some kind of dystopian future yeah, that we're well, fucked and killing each other. I for mean, you know, so we've suddenly it's gone to Mad Max, isn't it? Yeah, yes. it really has. <laughs> we can. No, we've all run but out in of fuel. That Mad Max but, scenario. We're going to be okay because we're surrounded by we're, water. Okay, we're cocking it up, but probably the government's going to kicked out, and maybe, maybe you know, yeah, maybe I, there I could have, be some positives. I have little faith because I don't. I, I think I, again. I think politics in the UK now is you've got. Very little to choose in terms of core policies between the three main parties. They're all much of a muchness. It's very difficult. 
It's sweet that you think there are three main parties. Well, well, first the Lib Dems, they've got the best recent... I I think the problem is this soundbite business. Even major newspapers, they take a soundbite, someone says, you know, half of a sentence, oh, that sounds racist, and then they print it in all the newspapers. They write stories about... They don't, in the newspapers, say, this has been printed anywhere, but really what he said was this, and really what they were trying to say was this. It's why I like podcasts. You know, I've said it loads of times, because it's like, it's the only long-form communication. It's the only thing that you can build any trust out of because you could, you, we could, you could just totally rely on the BBC. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if only. Okay, so this is where we give you thirty seconds to pitch your company um, or a, a book or anything else you want to pitch. But I'm guessing your company. Um, off you go. Thank you. Um, we are Finance Kitchen. Um, we finance restaurants. It's really simple. Um, love working with the hospitality industry. Love being that bridge between um, investors and uh, lenders and our customers. And one day soon, we will have our own lending book where, because the industry needs its own bank, even if it's a small bank, and hopefully that's going to be us. Oh, cool. Actually, you be a bank. Yeah, piss it. Kind of, yeah. yeah. But not a corporate bank, you've got to understand that. Not, no. no corporates, no, no suits. And Ian, if our listeners want to find out more about you online, where's the best way for them? Uh, either uh, the website, uh, www.financekitchen.london. Uh, that was quite smart as well. We were one dot of the London. first ever dot yeah. London because the, the web address was too long. So we went dot London instead of dot co dot UK and then had all these tech businesses contact us who thought we were one of them and we clearly weren't. Uh, yeah, LinkedIn. Or LinkedIn. Not, LinkedIn. Yeah. Dot yeah. South London wasn't dot available. South. <laughs> <laughs> to anybody, no. Somebody stole it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So you there you have it. That was this week's episode of Business Without Bullshit. And we'll be back with BWB Extra on Thursday. Until then, it's ciao.